Girl, listen. Welcome to Girl Listen. I'm Brittany. I'm Nashana. I'm Anna. And I'm Icaria. Today we have Courtney Williams joining us. Courtney, we appreciate you being here. Can you tell us and our listeners a little bit about yourself or whatever you would like for us to know? Hey, so my name is Courtney, as she said. I am a licensed clinical social worker and a licensed clinical addiction specialist. Um, both pending full licensureship, so just to explain a little bit, um, in the state of North Carolina, where I currently practice, um, they require us to have a provisional license. With that provisional license, we have to practice under someone for two years pass our boards, and then you can become a full, what we call a fully licensed, licensed clinical social worker. Um, and so I will be one on September 3rd. I just to throw that out there. Yay. Yay. And I'll pass my board. So yes. I'm Congrats. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, congratulations. So, Courtney, we will jump right into it. We'll start off with a couple of, uh, yeah. I-, I say basics. is not basic, but the basics of what people know of um, as far as needing a therapist or anything like that. So we'll talk about anxiety and depression. Can you give us a definition and then how to recognize anxiety and depression? So what I'll say first, this is like the layers to it, but what I'll say is with both depression and anxiety, both of those are completely normal feelings. And what I say about that is obviously when you think about depression, you think about sadness, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a normal feeling. We want you to feel sad when things are sad. It's when those feelings become debilitating towards your life. Mm-hmm. So you're not able to function normal. You're not getting sleep as you would. You're irritable. You don't want to get out of bed. You don't want to do things that you used to do. That's when we're looking at, okay, maybe you have a clinical diagnosis of depression. Same with anxiety, of course, when, let's say, for me, for example, my husband's military, when we move, I obviously get a little bit nervous about it, anxious, Mm -hmm. totally normal feeling, but it's when those things are becoming debilitating that we now have an issue with it. Right. Okay. Let me ask you, speaking back on depression, because this is something that I did not find out until I was in dental school, but what is Mm a... well, I'm not even sure if this is the actual name, but a function functional depression or yes, um, yes, whatever yes. that so is. So like high functioning depression. Yes. What is that? Can you yes. give us a few things to point out? Because it was, like I said, it wasn't until I was in dental school and someone else mentioned it, and I looked it up, and I was like, oh, this is what I have. This is me. <laughs> yes, I got to yes. get the hell out of here. Uh, just yep. and just because dental school itself is hard, it's a lot of work. Yep. It's strict. It's you know you can't do anything, but dental school but it was in that moment that I learned and that was what well I graduated however many years ago but that was maybe my third year of being a functional depressive I don't know but yes can you explain what that is I don't know if we really even have a name for it but Mm. well since you were saying that you experienced it in, in dental school which is obviously rigorous I would say you probably suffered from which is common me too, high functioning anxiety. Well, that um, makes sense because I do have and it anxiety. Yeah, yes. And it definitely, so anxiety can mimic depression sometimes. So with mm. anxiety, you're still obviously going to be fatigued. You're mm-hmm. not getting the best sleep. You're mm-hmm. always worried. Sometimes it's a bit irrational. Um, so just, from what you're saying, it probably was more so on the anxiety side, but I can mm-hmm. see how you can definitely think it was depression. Um, but I would definitely say black women, we suffer mm-hmm. from high-functioning depression mm-hmm. all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we can go deep into it, but just looking at the lifespan of a black woman and all the things that we have to deal with, it's really no question of why we are functioning at a higher level, but are still depressed. Mm-hmm. We have to worry about our husbands or our spouses or our boyfriends going out and maybe getting shot by the police. I mean, mm-hmm. having a black son. I mean, there's so many things that black women deal with on a day-to-day basis, and we still have to get up and do what we ought to do. Yeah, 
Yeah, that is very true. Every day. Very true. We got to go to work. We got to bring this thread in. I'm sorry, money in. We got this. Yeah, you know, no, we, we, we have to maintain it. Yeah, yes. Be you. I we, mean, we, no, got, this. we have to maintain it. Yeah. And so there's no one else to really, and a lot of times in the black household, the woman is the female is the person that is taking care of she has a man there or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, so that's definitely real. And I, if I, like, put it in the DSM, which is what we use to diagnose, I would put, like, the picture of a black woman's face. Because that's us. Yeah. That is so cool. I've never had my mom. I mean, grandma, everybody. Yeah. So for women who are, like, functioning um, with depression, because sometimes they might not know because they're functioning. You know, your picture of depression a lot yeah. of times is someone who can't get out of the bed and crying all the time. What would be your advice, like, for those women? How do they recognize that they're functioning depression? Function, what is yeah, it called? Functioning, functioning and depressed. Like, yeah, functioning yeah. Depressing. yeah. So, that, so that we'll say um, they're functioning at a higher level despite their depression. That's kind of okay. longer, but we'll come up with something out of this. But. Yeah. I mean, so personally, what uh, it looked like... Uh, go, say that again, okay. Courtney. You said personally what, now? Oh, personally, what it looked like for me was I was definitely getting up every day, going to school, doing everything I needed right. to do, coming home, and during that time frame, just exhausted, just not wanting mm-hmm. to do anything, fatigued, in every way possible and that lasted a lot and it wasn't until dental school that I noticed and like you said it could be high function anxiety and I and I have a pretty bad I'm seeing a therapist now because I have pretty bad anxiety but it wasn't until um, dental school that I really noticed how bad my anxiety was so that makes a lot of sense as well I remember I can't remember which summer it was but I would I decided at that moment to start watching Grey's Anatomy and instead of coming home to study, which I knew I needed to do, I, I was mm-hmm. exhausted in that. And I literally um, watched all, at the time, I think it was nine or ten seasons, all ten seasons of Grey's Anatomy versus needing to study and everything else. Because it was just so, it was realistically, it was just so much. It was a lot. And yeah. instead of opening up the book, i rather just lay in my bed and binge watch Grey's Anatomy. So it sounded like you definitely use that as a coping skill, which is a good thing, but to a certain there's extent. also a bad thing yes. in some cases because you still got to study and get your stuff done. Yes. Um, but overall, and I'm just going to speak from the black woman's perspective, obviously, because I'm a black woman, um, dealing with high-function depression, did I shorten it off? That's a little bit better, right? High-function yeah. depression. Yeah, it works. Um, I I would say we have to start with breaking the stigmatism of mental health. Mm-hmm. Obviously, oh, yeah. we know black people don't like to see a therapist, so mm-hmm. I definitely commend you for going out and tell. That's the hardest thing to do. Um, so definitely starting there, breaking the stigmatism, and then obviously having outlets. So talking with your girlfriends about it. Um, Definitely getting out, getting some sunlight. So vitamin D is very important mm-hmm. for depression. Mm-hmm. I know it seems cliche, but get your vitamin D, mm-hmm. whether you're taking. And black people typically have, if I'm not mistaken, and Sean, you could probably answer that better, but I thought, I think black people typically have lower levels of vitamin D, which I'm not sure why, I guess because we don't want to be in the same as much. It's our um, melanin um it's hard for us to convert because you don't yeah. get the vitamin D from the sun. You get, um, I can't remember what it is, but it allows our body to convert it to vitamin D. Yeah. Um, but our melanin makes it difficult to I receive that. Nutrition book. Yeah. So that's why we're at. Come on, medical. Yeah. Come on, medical. So, so. <laughs> <laughs> definitely utilizing those things. Um, but the biggest thing, I think, overall, just with black people specifically is we got to get past the stigmatism of mental health. And I hate to say it, but God, we can pray all day long, but yeah. God also created therapists for a reason. For a reason. That is for so sure. What they say? Prayer without work is what? 
stupid? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I don't know what the but is. I mean that makes that definitely makes yeah. sense. <laughs> I just knew Brittany was uncomfortable with the finish. And dead prayer without prayer without work is dead. Stupid, stupid, stupid. I mean, hey, that works too. Now, Courtney, let me ask you a question about um, children in mental health. How to recognize that in your kids? As far as anxiety or, well, yeah, anxiety or depression, is there anything in particular that we need to look out for in our children to be able to get them diagnosed early enough so that we can help them? So, with kids, this is kind of touchy for me. Um, And let me start by saying I am not Mm anti-medication, but I'm not pro-medication either. I'm somewhere in the middle. Um, So, with Typically, I would not ever want a heavy diagnosis such as Mm -hmm. bipolar, schizophrenia, schizophrenia on a child. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of that same way, too, with depression and anxiety. Um, I just feel like, and and I guess it does come down to age as well, but um, at a certain age, I just wouldn't want to do depression and anxiety. I would look more towards ODD, ADHD, and adjustment disorder. Mm. Mostly adjustment disorder because every year, and we're just going to take school age for example, every year that child goes to a different grade, a different class. What did I say earlier about anxiety? Yeah. That's a normal That's feeling. Normal. Yeah. It's okay to be nervous and anxious about something new. We're human. This is what happens. Okay, it's to the point where it becomes debilitating for them. So they can't perform in school at all. They can't perform in sports. You notice that they're, you know, a little bit more irritable, not sleep. Then that's when I would say you need to seek help. Do the same thing goes yeah. so Medication is not your first answer. I'll go. Uh, no, keep going. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I'm a psych nurse. That was like my base. I'm in school right now, but um. With psych nursing, I can say sometimes when you give those diagnoses and medicate those children, they start to lean on that medication, that medication. a little bit mm-hmm. and, and not using mm-hmm. coping skills. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yep. I'm nurse. I'm, no, I'm nurse. I'm anxious. Nurse so-and-so, can I have, you know, whatever it is they're prescribed yeah. for anxiety, yeah. PRN, or... Mm-hmm. Or I'm acting like this because I haven't had my this or that. Yeah. And, yeah. Especially yeah. with the teenagers. Yeah. They oh, definitely yeah. lean on that medication. Like, oh, like you said, I'm just acting like this because I don't have my meds today. Mm-hmm. No, you're acting like this either one, it's behavioral, mm-hmm. or two, maybe something really is going on. But And I would say, too, with a young, young child, like I'm saying like elementary school ages, if you see severe anxiety in a child that young, there's definitely something else going on yeah, at home. At home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you definitely want to look into that. Um, or something going on at school, whether it be bullying or, God forbid, something, you know, something, yeah. you know, a little bit more detrimental at school. Yeah. You know, someone's touching them in an inappropriate way mm-hmm. or something of that sort. Especially with anxiety, specifically with small children, I would say do a little bit more investigation first. Because that feeling, again, is normal. But if it's that severe at a young age, then I would suspect something else is happening. Mm. As a parent, how would you recommend advocating for, um, I guess, more behavioral coping strategies versus a doctor prescribing my child medication? Yeah, yeah. So, if somebody, if you take your child in anywhere, even to their primary care physician, if they're trying to give you medication, please walk out. Mm. That, that is just you. That's not how it goes. Mm-hmm. You want an assessment you want first. Assessment. Yeah. You do not. I mean, I I tell all my parents that. And there's been, I mean, I've had kids at, my youngest was five, and he was on Haldol. Mm-hmm. He was on what? And That's the answer. He was on Haldol. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Five years old. Someone was prescribing him. How about he was a young black child. Um, this little boy had his father uh, was incarcerated for life. His mother's boyfriend that he had grown up with and you know looked at as a father figure was actually shot. Mm. He, 
I don't know if the child actually saw the shooting, but he was there when it happened. So this little nine-year-old has gone through so much trauma already. Do we really want to medicate him at that point, or do we want to talk to him? On how it all. I wish I could remember how much. I, like, almost flipped out when I saw it, but... It was probably like a two point five. Is, yeah, and then once the child is prescribed medication, doctors aren't going to want to change it. They're going to keep it going. Yeah, really. Yeah. Well, they don't want to take you. Why? 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 Because they figured the doctor made this decision for a reason. A lot of these doctors are like, oh, especially in psych. Oh, they're like yeah. old school. Yeah. Um, I've been doing this for so long. Yeah, that this is the. Right. And then when they say something, they want the parent to just go with it. Really. And if yeah. you don't, I've had doctors say, well, if you think you're a doctor you to the leave. parents or and it, the doctor. they'll what? and they're very quick to medicate your kid it'll be the first episode your kid yep. comes in and they want to put your kid on Zoloft yeah. which is an antidepressant mm-hmm. or they want to put you know what? and you're like okay how, how about we figure out why they said at first right like, so the biggest thing is making sure that you really get an assessment for your child and like Courtney said some five-year-old that's a little different um but some people need medications However, yes, an assessment is definitely needed and to much and like like Courtney said, to definitely dig deeper to see what's mm-hmm. really causing these problems. Because yeah, this child five years old has real trauma. Yeah. Real trauma. Yeah. So it's not anything that would be abnormal even for a fifty year old to have some type of feelings or act out or whatever the case is. That's real trauma. That's and that's a life to live up to five years old. Right. Five years old. That's very crazy. Mm-hmm. So, Courtney, can you Mom give us... Mom full-time. I mean, it was just... There's so many, so many contributing factors. And another thing I would say, too, with the doctors, I mean, I hate to say this, but sometimes they're a little bit lazy now. Yeah. Um, they're just looking to let me just solve the problem. Yeah. Take mm-hmm. this medication so the behaviors will end. They're more short-term versus going to a therapist, specifically a clinician, even a psychologist sometimes. They're more long-term. Mm-hmm. Psychiatrists, I mean, yeah. they're just they're going to prescribe you meds. I mean, yeah. they, they say they do talk therapy, but that's where you get your prescription. Yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. I was very... Um, concern when I was looking for a therapist I did not want to see a psychiatrist because mm-hmm. I and mm-hmm. it's sad because we have given them that stigma of they're not going to listen they're just going to prescribe me medications right. but I don't want to be medicated I don't think I need to be medicated and I'm doing just fine now that I have been seeing mm-hmm. my therapist but I really was against seeing a psychiatrist because I knew or I won't say I knew I felt and I know the stigma of they're just going to prescribe me medications and then I'll be on my way right right which honestly a lot of times is true I hate to say it but Mm -hmm. I mean a lot of times that is what they're doing you do have the few psychiatrists out there that are going to sit down and really talk with you and if they can't really you know have that type of long-term relationship with you then they should refer you out you know hey Mm -hmm. I don't think you're really appropriate for medication right now why don't you try talk therapy first? Why don't you try seeing an LPCU or an LCSW? And then they should do that referral, and then you should start there first. You should never be, except for certain diagnoses. Obviously, with somebody with schizophrenia, we don't want to do talk therapy with them. We want them to be medicated. But everything else, like, well, not everything else, but depression and anxiety, you really want to see if you can do talk therapy first. Right. And, first. Um, <laughs> Courtney, can you just, um, can you define like the difference between the L- I know it's like the licensed clinical specialist but the, all the abbreviations that you say could you define them for the um... yes. so LCSW is a licensed clinical social worker um, which is what I am so I am definitely biased to LCSWs um, <laughs> but and then you have LPCs which Lord forgive me if any LPCs are listening um, I they recently went under a, a name change or an acronym t- change but their previous acronym was LPC, which stands for Licensed Professional Counselor. Yeah. Um, they are clinical as well. They assess, they diagnose, and they treat. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you, thank you. And I was going to piggyback off of what you said with the doctors. Um, working in the psych center, 
as far as inpatient, they see so many patients that they really don't even have the time to to sit. And it's sad because people send their kids there and they think the kid's going to talk to a bunch of people. And it's like, what did the the doctor, he'll ask you how you feeling. He'll ask Mm -hmm. you if you having any suicidal ideations, homicidal ideations. Um, and that's and it. that's about it. Cause he just needs enough to write his yeah. note to say that he saw you so he could keep moving. He's going to either up or down your medication depending on what he, or keep it the same depending on what you say. And it's next. I'm talking about yeah. a couple minutes with them in and out, right. in and out. In and, and just out. a disclaimer, it's not every psychiatrist. So like what he said, yeah. like we stated before, you just want to make sure it's the, it's what works for you. Just like when you go to the OBGYN, if you're not comfortable with that doctor, you're going to find another doctor. So it's the same thing with the psychiatrist. It's not that they do wrong things. You just want to find the perfect fit for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the perfect setting as well. I mean, you definitely shouldn't expect to go to the psych floor of your local hospital and expect talk therapy. Because if you're being admitted to a psych floor, obviously, you're dealing with some mania. So, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously, they're going to certainly give you medications for that. And it's to the point where, again, it's debilitating. And maybe we don't have your diagnosis quite right until we're going into a hospital setting. Outpatient setting, I would say you still got to be careful. Like you said, like you're picking an OBGYN, you want to pick the psychiatrist correctly. Um, I currently work in an outpatient setting. However, I only do with very severe diagnosis. Um, to be on the service that I treat, you have to have a diagnosis of either schizophrenia, schizoaffective, or bipolar. So obviously, our psychiatrists are just prescribing medication. Now, they work for the whole agency. So they're not just seeing my service, but they're also seeing people that just come in for therapy. Mm-hmm. And so then I would say that probably isn't an appropriate setting either because they're so used to giving out medications that that's just what they do all day long. Mm-hmm. And that's what I see. So definitely picking the setting and picking the right psychiatrist for you if that's the one you think you need to go. The setting is very important because people will come inpatient expecting like long-term therapies for their kids or just for themselves. And inpatient is strictly to stabilize you, to get you out, Mm -hmm. yes, so that you Mm -hmm. can go to your outpatient services. And if they can't stabilize you in inpatient, they'll send you to like a Mm long-term. But if you're just inpatient, you get your like three to five days, maybe a little longer if it's severe. But they're just trying to stabilize you so that you can get the help on the outside. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people miss that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think yep. I knew that either. Yep. Do. So, Courtney, can you tell us any coping strategies that we can use for, so not just, not well, not specifically for the children, but going back to, like, anxiety and depression, what are any coping strategies that we could use to help? Um, so definitely, like I was saying earlier, definitely vitamin D. I don't think people realize how yeah. important vitamin D is for our body, yeah. especially when it's mood. Mm-hmm. Um, That's why people in the last have higher depression. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Um, exercising is another good one. Despite you not wanting to do things, it is going to take a bit of mindfulness because if you're just dealing with depression, then you do have a level of understanding and consciousness to you know, be mindful and say, okay, I'm in the bed today. I need to get myself up. What can I do? And then you go out and do something you enjoy. Now, when you cannot get out that bed, that is when we probably need to seek medication. Mm-hmm. And so, again, because that's debilitating. I'm not able to go out and do the things that I know I need to do to help me feel better. That's when we want to seek medication. Still do talk therapy. But I like to describe it like medications are opening up the pathways in your mind to be able to now utilize those coping skills. So we've got mm-hmm. to get you out that, that sinkhole. Mm-hmm. And then once you get out of that hole, then you can utilize coping strategies a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. And same for anxiety as well. Deep breathing and um, mindfulness. As a friend, like, what can I do to help, like, my loved ones um, that may be experiencing anxiety or depression? Like, what can I look for in them? Like, what can I, yeah, like, how can I help them cope? So, what you would want to look for first is 
definitely suicidal thoughts if you're if you hear them saying or homicidal now. Maybe you can get homicidal mm-hmm. when you're depressed too about certain things, but mm-hmm. we'll leave that for a better discussion. Um but definitely like feelings of hopelessness, irritable, same thing with um anxiety, just paranoia and worrying all the time and then helping that person to cope is it may be suggesting, hey, maybe you should talk to somebody professional about this. Mm-hmm. It seems like you're dealing with this every day at this point um definitely not shaming them at all for it um because that's definitely where the stigmatism comes from a with mental health is oh i don't want to say i need help or i don't want to say this is what's bothering me so definitely coming to them with respect and not shame yes so definitely the best ways i think to help your friends yes that's definitely good um good advice now, with everything that's going on in the world right now, Woo. in particularly, yes. we've been on COVID lockdown, supposed to be, yes. you know, with schools opening, with everything with just dealing with COVID, and at the same time, dealing with racism, and George Floyd, and uh, Ahmaud Aubrey and Breonna Taylor, and a list of others that has been happening, and just during lockdown. Have you yeah. guys seen just the uptick in patience as a result of everything that's going on? And what are some ways, I mean, and I guess we did give coping strategies, but what are some ways that we could take home to as far as coping with the COVID and the racism in general? Because the racism is not going to go away. So that's really something no, that, yeah. What are, or, so have you seen an uptick in patients because of Oh that? my gosh. It is so bad that, I mean, I've had to work later nights just doing assessments because, like I said earlier, I work with, so basically I am in the inpatient setting, but in the community, Mm -hmm. essentially, Mm -hmm. because everybody that I get literally just came off of life work. Mm whether they've been there 10 days or they've been in a long-term facility for like two years. Um, COVID has, all my clients are like turned up right now. Um, Obviously like watching the news. I mean, I've had so many people with auditory hallucinations and extreme paranoia because of the lockdown. And this is common um, delusions with, those who suffer from severe diagnosis that'll put you in a psychosis like schizophrenia or schizoaffective or bipolar mania, um, they, it seems to be the trend that they often think that the government is getting them um, or coming after them, communicating with them through microwaves and telephones. And I mean, they're not too far off, though. <laughs> they, well, but you know what? <laughs> With everything going on, you're like, is it me? Though? Is right. It me? Or is it they might be onto something. Right. right. Yeah, that's so very because, true. Because of that and the um, lockdown, and then there's a lot of them are hyper-religious, too. It's so, you know, of course, you got those that correlate everything to the Bible, mm-hmm. especially with what's going on, and it's kind of good. It's and the like, end of the world. But, um, definitely, oh my gosh. I mean, I got everybody right now that's tweaking, as I say, at work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're literally like, I've, I've had so many new referrals. Um, but I will say, and it's probably because of the area I work in. So I work in Lumberton, North Carolina, where there's a high popularity of, or high population, excuse me, of Native Americans. Mm-hmm. And so racism here, it's different. Mm-hmm. It doesn't affect um, most of my clients in the way that it affects the rest of the world, mm-hmm. um, especially African Americans. So um, with the racism, not really. I haven't seen it affect my clients. Mm-hmm. But definitely the pandemic um, definitely has has increased their anxiety and their their um, manic behaviors. Um, I've had people that have not gone into the hospital for years are all of a sudden unstable mm-hmm. because of what's going on. And I think some of it is, again, my favorite thing, vitamin D. They're so scared oh, to go yeah. out. I mean, yeah, yeah. COVID is like, 
I mean, I'm like in my mind, it's like a big green germ, and then you see it, and you got to run inside, or otherwise it's gonna get you. And I think a lot of my patients, you know, see it the same way as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so coping with COVID, it's a hard one. You've got you've got to find your new normal. Yeah, I mean, it's even hard for the kids. Yeah. My kids have been tweaking too because they can't go. You know, my son's not able to do sports like he used to. I mean, he's not able to play with his friends. He's not in school. That's a big change for these kids and adults. We're so I would say right now, I would diagnose the world with adjustment disorder mm-hmm. because that's what we all have. We're yeah. adjusting to our new normal. Yeah, and it's going to take time. Yeah. Um, but definitely, um, you just got to figure out a way to to live your life normally. Yeah. And like, it's what, what is, I don't think any of us know how to do it quite yet. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. What is, um, I've never heard of adjustment disorder. What is that? So adjustment disorder is basically what we say for, um, for example, I have a child who just moved to a new state. Um, okay. And maybe the accent is different or, or, or whatever it may be, but it's just, a new setting or a new environment that you're now placed in and now you're not functioning how you used to. Mm. But this diagnosis is typically only for six months or less. Mm. So after six months, we're looking at, okay, it's not just adjustment disorder. Mm. There's something else going on and we need to look deeper. But um, with someone who, if they come in and say, I've just, you know, did this, 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 and there's a bunch of new stuff going on in their life, I'm going to go with adjustment disorder first mm-hmm. because that's normal. I mean, you may yeah. just be functioning this way because everything's easy, but eventually you'll settle down and you'll, you know, get used to your new setting. Yeah, that makes sense. That is the world right now. And nobody wants yeah. to, and nobody, and nobody wants to adjust. I think that's the biggest issue. Yeah. <laughs> like they yeah. do yeah. not want to adjust. <laughs> Yeah, I get, and I, I mean, it makes sense that they, they, I mean, it's one of those things that people are not in control of, so mm-hmm. it, they mm-hmm. have a hard time processing why do I have to adjust when I didn't, like, I didn't start this, yeah. but COVID is here, it's and it ain't going nowhere. It's gone somewhere, but it's here. Around, right, Well, I mean, it might, it, it might settle down to a little regular coronavirus cold. Let's just hope that it, it, it stops uh, wreaking havoc like, like, like it really has. Um, but within and saying all of this, is there any particular or are there any suggestions or advice or resources that you can point us to when finding a social worker or therapist or anything um, like that or counselor? Like, which, how do you decide like which yeah, one? Yeah, how do you decide which one you should get or use? Uh, okay, okay, I see. Yeah, where do, where um, do you start? So let's say, all right, so you're at the point of something's going on. I need help. If you have insurance, the best place to start, um, and I, I guess we could break it down into different insurances, but overall, um, I would say the best place to start is going to your primary care physician um, and letting them refer you out. The reason why I say start here is because typically they can send you to someone who's in network with whoever your insurance is. Mm-hmm. Um, and some uh doctor's offices are becoming progressive and they may have a psychologist actually that works there mm-hmm. um, or a psychiatrist I mean I guess you can go there too but I would just be very firm with them and let them know hey I'm not looking for medication I'm looking for um, I don't well you probably wouldn't be sure if you need it long term or short term at that point um, but definitely letting them know, and being you have to advocate for yourself because the doctors can run over you very quickly. Letting them know, hey, I'm looking for talk therapy first. They should refer you out if they don't have time. Um, did y'all hear the part about kids? No. No. Okay. So with kids, um, if they do have coverage, again, go to their pediatrician. Let them know what's going on. They actually. If it's not, it, it, it depends on the symptoms that you're talking about. But with the pedi- or if you go to your pediatrician, typically they may refer you to a psychologist first. 
and with the psychologists, they are still they're doctors, not medical. Um, but their expertise is more of the uh, psychological evaluation. So at that point, you know, you think things are going on, especially with your child. A psychologist can view the different types of testing, such as autism, um, mm-hmm. their IQ levels, things of that nature. Um, so that may be, depending on the symptoms, may be the best start for children, or it could be just a social worker or an LPC. Um, again, that's going to be dependent on the symptoms that you're describing to your pediatrician. If you don't have coverage or maybe your child doesn't go to a pediatrician or, or any type of doctor, um, then you look into your community. So. Your Boys and Girls Club typically have social workers. I know I had a friend that worked at one, um, Mm -hmm. and it was in Chicago, but definitely you can start there. Um, You may even be able to start your local health department. There should be social workers as as well there. They may not be clinical, but there are clinical social workers that work in the community setting that do pro bono work, meaning they don't bill. They don't build your insurance because you don't have insurance. So it, it's just another way to say it's free. But we like to use the word pro bono because it, it sounds better. Yeah. <laughs> um, but definitely those are the places I would say start. But if you have insurance, definitely start with your provider um, because they can refer you to somebody that's in network. And so that way you're not worried. You're not having the stress of having to figure out mm, how to pay for this yeah. when you're going through a lot already. Yeah, that's very good advice. Because I, well, I, my insurance does cover therapy, um, but I didn't like any of the therapy. When I looked up the websites and everything close to me, I didn't like them. So I am paying out of pocket. Um, But, you know, I mean, maybe one day we'll see. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, but just for those, you know, who can't do it that way. um, and, and still, if you don't feel obligated to go with that person yeah, that insurance that coverage, if it takes seeing somebody outside of that, go ahead and do that. I mean, yeah. that's what you need to do. If you Advocate can't afford it, let your let your insurance know, this person isn't working, you know, is there someone that we can do a one-time agreement with? Mm-hmm. Um, we've done that with several clients who we didn't take their insurance. But we contacted their insurance and got a one-time agreement. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so great. That's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah, so that's also another option too. If you find someone that you really, really like, um, you know, if you if the option if you can't pay out of pocket, ask your insurance for that one time agreement. If not, then work with that provider and see if there's something that you can do. Excuse me, if there's some type of payment plan they can put you on. And and this is something that I realized when I was um looking for a couples counselor for a past relationship. Um Whatever center I was going to, I guess they had people that were still training. And so they were offering their services on a sliding Sliding scale scale. based on, you know, what you could afford. And I was like, I ain't going to pay a bunch of money for this little couple's counseling. Like, I can do $40. And And yeah, we're paying like $40. So sliding sliding scales are are available. Oh, well, that's, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, based off your income. Yeah, definitely. So with that, with everything being said, we talked about a lot of, uh, and mentioned bipolar, schizophrenia, anxiety, depression, and there's a lot more to talk about. Mm-hmm. But in particularly for therapists or social workers or anyone mm-hmm. that works in that field, where does the therapist check in or who do you all check in and when do you all know to check in? <laughs> Usually when it's too late. <laughs> Just like this. So. Right. <laughs> And I yes. would think that you I, all need it because you all hear a right. lot like force of you to at least stories. Go somewhere once a month yeah. or something. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, there's some stories, y'all. I can't even. Some of the assessments I have done, I mean, just to, like, give you a little inclination of what we go through. Like, I had a nine-year-old, I think she was, pregnant. <gasps> um, She was pregnant by her father. Or, I'm sorry, her grandfather. 
Um, oh it, it was just, it was so twisted. I think I blocked it out my memory because that's yes. all I remember. It was, it was some twisty stuff to it. That's all I can remember right now. But Brittany about to I mean, die over here. Girl. Well, let me say yeah. something, Courtney, because girl, you are amazing because for you to be able to sit down one and not judge. I mean, obviously I'm pretty sure the grandfather was not there. Uh, or was he? Because he needs some help, no, too. No, he was in... Well, actually, that's... Okay, that's the part of it that I wasn't remember. He was not in jail. <gasps> he was out on bond. <gasps> yep, he sure was. He sure was. He sure was. Oh, God, that's so mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, you are amazing because mm-hmm. you have to sit here, take it all in, ignore your feelings, and give the utmost care and help for these people that really need it. And mm-hmm. that is amazing. Ooh. And I don't understand why people don't need, or I won't say need, but I mean, everybody really needs therapy, but like go to therapy, like the mm-hmm. amount of help that you all give. But yeah, that's crazy. And that even that your agency doesn't offer the therapy or anything well, you know, like that. But, but I think, it, I do think there are certain yeah. professions that they need, you need to go see somebody uh, yeah. at least. I think therapists need to therapists, 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 therapists,
the places that I work that have offered health insurance 100% has covered therapy. So that is the good, good thing yeah. about at least in dentistry. And I know a lot, I talk to a lot of friends. I have a lot of obviously medical friends or uh, physician friends, especially in the ED that are seeing a lot with COVID and nurses as well uh, that are in the emergency department. And they explain, or you've even heard that a few doctors have committed suicide because this is not, with COVID, this is not, nothing that they ever expected to see in their life. You see people die every day, but it's a difference when you see 10 people die in one day versus you may show up today and then tomorrow someone may die or, you know, however the case is. But I really think, especially now, everybody needs a little therapy. Why? And especially when you're in that field. Why did Dennis commit suicide? You know, I... Well, nobody wants to go. It it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah, no, not the patients. <laughs> the patients are not committed to a No, no, no. I mean, like maybe I will say this. One thing, yeah. <laughs> the thing about dentistry of what a lot of people don't know. One thing is, of course, it's a lot of work. I mean, you you make your money based off how often you work and how much you work. So if you want to be a million dollar dentist, you're gonna work fifty million fifty million hours a week. Another thing is uh, what we do, what a lot of people don't understand is while we practice dentistry and we give our best, what our best looks like may not look like what the patient had best in their mind. Mm. So then when they go and report it to the board or anything Mm. like that, and so the stress of that of where I literally gave my best, this patient doesn't like it, but then I have to stress about being reported to the board or they did report me to the board and I know I didn't do anything about it, but you still have to, even when they report you to the board, you still have to go through the entire process of x-rays, a lawyer, they have to look at everything. It's, it's, it's actually very, very stressful and very wild. But I will say when I first started, I had to get in the mindset of, because I would take it home. I would say, oh, did I do this right? Oh, and that could be anything when you first start a new job or anything yeah. like that. But just as a dentist, you you do realize, too, I mean, we're doctors. If some somebody could code in my chair and I have to think about, did I do the correct thing? Did I make sure that I, you know, try to keep them alive or CPR or, or if somebody's allergic to something, did I give epinephrine connect correct, the, I mean, EpiPen correctly or anything like that? But the biggest thing is I used to take it home and I used to, like, have dreams. Did I do my best? Did I do this? Did I do that? And I'm like, okay, stop. No, because we're not about to do this for the rest of your life. You did your best. That's all you can do. You cannot satisfy everybody. But people do get into the mindset of, well, they didn't like it and they get down about it. You're depressed about it. And they report, like I said, people report. People are very um, report friendly nowadays more than they were I've never heard of that yeah back then you didn't hear a lot of people reporting to the board but people will come in and uh, I had a patient at a, a well not my patient another office who reported to the board because they wouldn't give her a refund for something so she reported the doctors to the board and granted of course it was dismissed but you still got to go through the process of everything yeah so do you think a certain type of person becomes a doctor a dentist and that could have anything to do with it you know i will say this part of being a doctor or a dentist well one thing that i learned from my therapist is i'm a perfectionist and that's That's what causes a lot of anxiety Mm -hmm. so being a doctor or a dentist one of those type of clinicians your goal is to make the person happy so you want to do basically be perfect, perfect. for that patient. Depending and when on you doctor, really some of them, I'd be like, child. <laughs> <laughs> and when you realize that you can't do that, it takes a toll on you. Yeah, there was once, uh-huh. yeah, there was once a time in my life that I wanted to be a pediatric oncologist. Girl. Why? Oh wow! And in my thought process, so oh, a, a cancer doctor for okay. kids. My thought process was the entire time. I just want to help the kids. Mm-hmm. I want to help the babies. My mama sent me down. She said, you have lost your mind because (laughs) you will lose some of those kids. And are you going to be able to handle losing those kids? And when she broke it down like that, I was like, yeah, that's not for me. I can't even be a doctor because I can't 
I, I would I, I honestly would love to be a doctor and more so in the emergency room because my thought process I want to help these people Girl. but if I lost one patient baby y'all send me to the psych ward <laughs> <laughs> no I good. need to like the very first patient all the patients every time uh, Dr. Avery has to go to the psych ward for a couple of days <laughs> don't let job. her lose nobody yeah because that's that that will be my response. And you see their faces, especially people yes. that you that you like took a life. It took to, a lot, yeah. And and you could and you couldn't do anything. Them. Yeah. And you have to be in that mindset that you can't save everyone. Everybody. So that's the best part of being a dentist. Is majority of people that walk through the door, if I feel like they're very sickly or anything, I am I am the person that I will not see if you like I have patients that come in with a blood pressure of two hundred over mm-hmm. one twenty. Ma'am no, Don't you can't. Anything. You cannot be here. You can't. Well, my blood pressure. You know, and you know, patient. My blood pressure I always is high. Well, not today, baby. I cannot do any. I cannot do this extraction on you with your blood pressure this high. Um. So yeah, I'm for sure advocate. If you look too sick, or if you acting sick, or uh-uh, go go to the ED, go to the emergency okay. room, go see your primary physician, and do not come back without a letter saying that you went to go visit them. So. It's a, it's a little crazy. That perfectionism is a real thing that I'm trying to learn how to um, get over or not um, focus so much on. Because I can only do so much. Yeah. Yeah. Human. Yes. Yeah. So, Miss Courtney, we are going to actually flow into our advice column called Girl Listen. This one actually may be a good one if you could give a little advice um, okay. on the submission that this I want to say patient. The submission that this listener (laughs) has submitted. So we'll go ahead into it. So girl, listen. The listener writes in, my kid is of age. They actually don't say the age. It just says, my kid Uh is of age where they know better, as in right from wrong in the household. They are becoming Mm -hmm. defiant and it's driving me insane. What is you guys' advice on disciplining kids? When they're straight, just, you know, trying. Trying. Mm-hmm. And she asked, do you, I think, well, I always say she. I just assume when it's about kids, it's a she, but it yeah. could very well be a he. So they <laughs> ask, do y'all believe in popping, whooping, spanking, nose to the corner, time alone? All of that, all of that jazz for your kids. It's, I think the biggest thing is really uh, popping, whooping, and spanking. That's the, that's, that's mm-hmm. the outside world's. Um, is it okay to do? Yeah. yeah, like is that okay to do, or how should you do it if it is okay, or if it's not okay? What does that look like? So it's not illegal to physically punish your child. Um, obviously, it varies by state to state, but here in North Carolina, you can hit your child on the bottom. You cannot leave any marks and bruises. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's like, I would say that's pretty much the same throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not supposed to use like objects, cords, belts, shoes, whatever you can find. You're not hangers. You're not really supposed to do that. Um, I can't answer the question of is, I'm, I know corporal sounds harsh, but I'm just going to call it corporal punishment. Mm-hmm. Um I can't say if that's right for you or your child, but what I can say is when disciplining your children, you want to do it with respect and not shame. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times parents, and I think this is of all races, we expect our little ones to act perfectly in a certain setting. Um, You know, we want them to be quiet when they need to be quiet, don't move when they're not supposed to move. But in reality, they're... They can't do that. Mm-hmm. They um, they just cannot. They do not have the level of understanding to be able to do that, especially when we're talking about the small ones. Um, I don't know the age of this child, but I would say um, whatever feels right to her, especially, you know, just keep it in mind, doing it with respect and not shame. So, for an instance, um, child... I don't know, let's say he defied mom by, you know, keep throwing the, or keep bouncing the ball in the house after mom told him not to. So the first thing would be like, didn't I tell you to stop throwing that ball? Didn't I stop bouncing that ball? At that point, we want to practice mindfulness (laughs) and say, 
Jimmy, why are you still throwing that ball in the house? Mm. I, come on now, I'll talk to you about this. What, what's going on? Why aren't you listening? Mm. What's going on? You want to try to talk to them first. Now, is that easy to do? No, because Courtney will say that to her kids. Trey, stop doing this. I don't told you. But um, what we really want to do is, again, respect and not shame. You don't want to make them feel bad for it. You want to really talk to them first. Um, I think talking first, personally, is the best solution. And then if you feel like you need to move on to something a little bit harsher, maybe like taking things away or you can do timeouts. I think timeouts are very effective um, with certain ages. So it, it just depends on what feels right to you. And every child is different. Everything does not work the same on each child. I don't care if they're even siblings. Yeah. You guys talk something different. Yeah. Kira, what do you usually do? I know with three lovely children, it could be a little hectic when disciplining how do you usually handle that with and it, and do you discipline each child like or are you able to discipline each one of them differently um each, i think it depends on the, the kids um the oldest one Ian, um we've tried with him but that don't don't work <laughs> he is very um we try to talk i don't like the whooping thing and we rarely whoop anyway but if you get a whooping that's because you've really done something and we talked to you and we told you like we like to try to have a conversation we ask him okay so why did you do that like we have to have a conversation because I, I don't believe in like whooping them and not explaining to them why they didn't do or why they didn't get a whooping or why they got a whooping um but it just it really just depends on the kid. Xavier is really sensitive, so all we have to do is just give him a look and he'll get it together. <laughs> Ari, she's too young, yeah. so we don't do anything to her, but we give her a look and she'll look at you back like, girl, whatever, <laughs> and she'll keep it moving. So it just really depends. I don't, I don't know. I feel a way about whooping. I got whoopings as a kid, and it was very rare because I was just that scary kid, but I don't know. I think, I think it just depends on the person, mm. honestly. I also think that the age that has to do, um, or the age of the child. So my daughter is two years old. At two years old, she's very impressionable. Whatever mm -hmm. I say or do, she's going to soak that all in and do it again. So I initially, and I believe in, you know, popping, maybe in spanking, maybe not just whooping. Cause there's a, there's a, it's a thin line between like hitting your kids and a little right. pop tap. Yeah. yeah to tap. like sting right. a little. But I noticed that when I pop or tap her, you know, she cries for two seconds and goes back. And obviously at two years old, she's going to go back and do it again. Even though she knows right from wrong, she's, she's testing you. But when she's playing with her dolls or if I do something that she thinks is wrong, she's, I'm going to pop you, mommy. I'm going to pop you. And at Aww. that point, when she, when she <laughs> verbalizes that to me or when she, like when she's playing with her dolls and she's like, oh, this baby going to pop him. He going to get a whooping. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I don't want you to have that yeah. mentality of, I'm always, or you know, why is that on your mind all the time? So I have started more so to take a step back and try to talk with her a little bit more. And I think it does help. I, I will say that between my husband and I, it that the struggle is between us more so than with her because he prefers just, oh, no, pop, no, pop, you know, versus talking. But I will say he has noticed when I've talked to her and she reacts differently. He's like, oh, wow, that was really good. And I'm like, yeah, you don't, we don't always have to pop her. We don't always have to yell. Sometimes if you just ask the girl, okay, look, what are you doing? That's not right. Come here, sit down. She'll actually do it. Sometimes she doesn't, but I try to get away from the popping um, as much as I used to because I notice, and I, what I really don't want is her to take it to daycare or something and they think I'm at home just beating Pop my it. child yeah, all day. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's like I, I just. No, that's a real thing. Yeah. Though. You know. Defects to be called, yeah, What's like, girl, she around here popping all these kids, popping the oh, daycare yeah. teachers, <laughs> like, 
And it's like, okay, yeah, let's take a step back. She does, she, and like I said, she does do well with talking. Sometimes she has to get popped at two years old. But I do realize she's two. She's going to hear me. She's going to listen for two mm-hmm. seconds. And she's going to go back to doing what she wants to do. Yeah. I'm yeah. in agreement with Kira. I feel like it depends on the kid. Um, right now, the eight-month-old, obviously, she don't get pie. She needs to, though. Her, but it's crazy. <laughs> but, no, I'm just joking. Um, Austin's four. We do a lot of talking to Austin. He's gotten pop before, definitely. But um, we do more talking to Austin. And he's very, he's sharp, and he and he gets it. He's he's he, yeah, Austin is. He's yeah. good with words. He's, he's very good, good with his words. But I think it's because I'm so worthy with him. Yeah. And I think me and Eric, when we reach our boiling point with the kid, the other parent is always there to kind of step in. Okay. So yeah. that when I'm when I can't take it no more, and I'm about to just spaz on him, Eric is there to be like, "Hey, son, like let's." Yeah. Let me work through this with you. And vice versa. When Eric is just at his last with Austin, I step in like, hey, Papa, come here. Let's yeah. let's t- talk to Mommy about this. Talk to Mommy mm-hmm. about that. And we'll work through it. Because they don't know why. They're not. He's at the age where he still can't answer mm-hmm. why. And they said that ha- mm-hmm. it's like a long time before he can so answer that's why. what, 10, yeah. 12 or something? To what? You know? I mean, to oh, you yeah. really say it again, Courtney? I was going to say, you touched on so many good things with that. Having an outlet, you know, obviously moms, we take the brunt of all of the kids' behaviors, good or bad, Mm -hmm. and their emotions. Uh So having that other outlet or that other parent, which is not the case for everybody, I do understand that. But having that, that is so important with parenting. I mean, we all know parenting don't come with a book. I mean, and you just straight up get tired. Sometimes it's hard to practice like, okay, son, you know. Let me talk to you about this first. Sometimes you'd be like, God, I just told right. your ass to stop jumping <laughs> yeah. on my couch. For sure. But, I mean, it gets to that sometimes. So that's so important, too. And for the moms that don't have that, um, definitely finding a, what we call a natural support to help you with that when you just need a break. Because you can't be your best yeah. self or your best, I'm you know, done. parenting self when you're burnt out. Yeah. And you can get burnt out from your kids. Don't let yes. people fool you. Yes. I call it child abuse, and it's the other way. It's when your kid abuses you. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. They abuse the heck sure. out of parents, yes. especially the mom. Yes, definitely. So Brittany sent me, she randomly texted me. It was called The Calming Corner. Oh, yeah. And it was pretty cool. And it had like different little posters and it like it works through their emotion. And I felt like I've been doing some of it because I always ask Austin, like, you need some time. Do you need to figure it out? You need some time to focus on your thoughts. And he'll say yes. And he'll go to his room and he'll come out a whole nother person, like a Jekyll and a Hyde. And he's like, I feel better, mommy. And I'm like, okay. And Eric, like, it really works. It does, because just like we need our time to get our thoughts, they need their time to get their thoughts. And the more you show them how important it is to to calm yourself down and be able to control your emotions. Yes. Yes. It, it, I noticed like he don't he don't spaz on me as much. He's he's still very particular, but when he starts to get upset, he's like ooh, it, and he'll stay focused. I just focus Austin, and I'll be dying laughing. I'm like this little kid, right? But he'll go he's so many years old. Adults it can't yeah. control their mm-hmm. emotions, girl. But that's all like how you brought up and how you're yeah. teaching. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, definitely how you brought up. You know, most of us are whooped. I know, mm-hmm. at least for me, like, I, I mean, I was definitely whooped growing up. And then for my son, obviously, I was starting my uh, in schooling and mental health. So I said, okay, I don't want to whoop my child. Then my mom, you know, I'm sure everybody's mom, mm-hmm. if you don't whoop that boy, mm-hmm. or if you don't thank him, if you don't talk yes. to him. So then I started doing it, and it did not work yes. for my kids. I, I'm not yeah. saying it doesn't work for some kids, because, I mean, it definitely does. Um, and there's proof. I mean, hell, I was hit as a kid. Mm-hmm. I came out just fine, I think, at least. <laughs> That's what we all say. Right. Exactly. I actually didn't get hit. Yeah, and it made him more aggressive. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like that, you know, he would say things to me once he did get the language. Um, Are you going to hit me? Are you going to hit me, Mom? Mm-hmm. Please don't hit me. And yeah. I'm like, that, mm-hmm. that it hurts really you. At one yeah. Point. So, I mean, for me, talking does better. It works better for my child. It might not be the case for everybody's child. I definitely get that. 
But um, the most important thing, I think, with moms is not shaming each other for it. Sure. If you decide to yeah. whoop your kid, girl, that's your business. Yeah. Nope, that's fine. If that works for your child, that's fine. Yeah. Some, you know, kids, some kids some do of, need a little, you know, little a little pain. extra pop, 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 pop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some, but, of them, some of them definitely do. I mean, and that, that's that parent's choice to make. Yeah. If you feel like that's right for your child, do you, boo? I ain't mad. Just make sure you don't end up in my office because you don't know now yeah. the child. Yeah, and I was about to say, and you just, just have to be, you got to be careful, especially nowadays, too, because the type of spankings and whoopings that people used to get, and I will say my parents, they only popped me with their hands. My dad, he he would use a belt. He was more so afraid to use um his hand simply because um he felt like he would hit us harder. But he definitely, they, he did not want my mom, like, to use, because she grew up like that. He did not want her to use objects or anything. Like, there used to be the spoon that she <laughs> that she used to chase us around with. But you just, yeah, you also want to be careful not, because people are crazy. And they get a little too yeah. whooping friendly. And when the marks are left and on the behind right, and you the got body. Inside, you just coming out. Yeah. And you send them to school, mm-hmm. they, they and they are definitely reporting you nowadays. So yeah, you gotta, you definitely have to be careful. So, girl, listen. If you or anyone would like advice on anything, and we do mean anything, contact us via DM on IG at girllisten.podcast or email us at girllisten20 at gmail.com. All submissions are completely anonymous unless told otherwise. There's also a section on our website as well that you can submit your um, girl listens to girl listen to and your boss speaking of boss all right y'all it's time for our black owned spotlight segment also known as boss so today we like to put you on to smooches sweets by elise experience the pleasure of rich flavor fun and love in the wide array of baked goods including cakes tarts cookies candies and custom-made treats each order is the perfect combination of homemade tradition and innovative baking, ushering customers to encounter familiar flavors with a unique twist, which makes each dessert good to eat and fun to discover. Consider Smooches Sweets by Elise for your next birthday, anniversary, holiday party, group meeting, small gathering, large-scale event, or individual craving. If you like your black-owned business feature on Girl Listen, or if you have a business to suggest, email us at girllisten20 at gmail.com. And try her key lime cupcakes, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> right. Everything, Everything is, is so, good. so good. All right, y'all. Y'all have a good one.